Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or ten minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, Christopher Lockhead. So let's unpack a bit more about marketing, because I do hear you that you made your own opportunities and you followed some mentors into entrepreneurial ventures, but not everyone listening wants to be an entrepreneur. Some may just want to, and I don't mean to diminish this, but they may not have that spirit to go out and start their own thing, but they are really interested in the world of marketing. And frankly, I do think there's tremendous value in going into an established company where you will learn best practices. Maybe you'll be lucky enough to learn them from a Chris Lockhead. Maybe you'll be lucky enough to learn from another great. What advice do you have, Chris? For those who may not want to go out on their own, how can they get into a good environment to learn marketing? So the first thing is, if you're not an entrepreneur, that's okay. I have lots of friends who are people I love who aren't entrepreneurs. That said, what I would encourage you to think about is even if you're not going to start a company, even if you're not going to go solo and go YOLO, so to speak, be entrepreneurial The most natural state for a human being is a state of creation. And fundamentally, what an entrepreneur is, is a person who creates something new that creates value for others. And you may work inside a company for the rest of your life. That's okay. I get that. There's a very good reason to have a a job. And I have no pejorative feeling about that. I work for people. I started as an entrepreneur. I ended up becoming a three-time CMO. In each of those cases, I had a boss who was the CEO of the company. It's fine. But I would encourage you be entrepreneurial and you are entrepreneurial, whether you want to get it or not. If you spent any time around a child, spend time around a three-year-old or a five-year-old, the natural state of being for human beings is highly energetic, highly generative, and highly creative. That's what we all want in our careers. So give us an example. Give us an example. So you have an associate marketing position. Here's that person, Chris, you've just given them 
I mean, let's you you wouldn't be the one. They wouldn't be your direct report. But just for the sake of this example, well, I hired a lot of these people. I know exactly what you, you hired them, I, uh, and, so, I, and I continue to look for these people today. So you've given them five things to do. What does it look like to you to be entrepreneurial? So the first thing is there are people who make an unconscious decision, an undiscussed decision, an unacknowledged decision to accept the way that it is. We get taught to fit in. We get taught to play by the rules. And we get taught to accept the way that it is. I believe that marketing is the most important profession ever. And I'll tell you why. Everything is the way that it is because somebody changed the way that it was. Look at what we have going on right now with the vaccines in America. That's a marketing problem. We shouldn't have called them vaccines. We should have called them something else. If we'd called that thing a patriot booster, we might not have the problem we're having right now. So marketing fundamentally, when done by the legends, is about moving the world from the way it is to the way the marketer, the entrepreneur wants it to be. And you can be the greatest scientist. You can be the greatest artist. You can be the greatest inventor. You can be the greatest doctor. You can be the greatest fill in the blank. And your ability to make a difference is a function of your ability to move the world in the direction you want it to go. And the more you can move the world in that direction, the bigger the difference you'll make. You call it languaging. It's called languaging, the strategic use of language to change the future. And so the legendary marketers change the world. See, Henry Ford can't make a difference unless he can explain to you what the difference is. You and I don't know Picasso's name because he was a great painter. Picasso was not a great painter. Picasso was a different painter. And what made Picasso Picasso was he was uncomparable to anything that came before. And so he was not an impressionist and he wasn't a realist or a this, this or a that this. Well, first of all, when he first starts painting, he's just painting pretty pictures. Nothing happens in his career. He's just another person painting pictures. Then he starts fucking around with bright colors, uh, rectangles and squares. He takes the boob, he sticks it on the ear. He does all this stuff. And all of a sudden people go, what's that? He makes them stop. And most people go, this looks like the work of a drunken eight-year-old. And Picasso says, that's where you're wrong. It's a new kind of art, a new category of art. And it's called cubism. And you can't compare it to realism. And if you go right now and you look at his Wikipedia page in the first or second line, you'll see a line that says something like, and he's the creator or the godfather or one of the pioneers of cubism. And so the big aha here is the people that you and I respect and admire the most are the ones that break and take new ground. There's no cover band in the world that's famous. I don't care how great your cover of that Led Zeppelin song is. No one's going to give a fuck. And so in life and in business and for sure in marketing, what we're doing is we're bringing the new, we're bringing the different. And if you want to have a legendary career, as far as I'm concerned, you want to work on things that are exponential and you want to be on a team that is bringing the exponential to the world. 
because everything is the way that it is because somebody changed the way that it was. And legendary innovations cannot speak for themselves. Without marketing, people won't get it. And that's why I say marketing is the most important profession in the world. Our failure as a country marketing the vaccine is going to end up killing over a million people unneedlessly. So I love all of that, but I can see that for a 22, 23, 24 year old, that would be intimidating as I would be a deer in a headlights. What does that look like for a 22 or 23 or 24 year old even? How can they be different and yet do the job to the best of their abilities and stand out from the crowd, Chris? Okay. So let me give you two very practical things. One that's kind of more strategic and one that's very specific. Go do now. The strategic one is this. Most people are fucked before they start. And here's why. Most people, when they have a goal, their mindset is, goes like this. Let's say uh, I'm starting my career in marketing and I have an objective that 15 years into my career, I'd like to be a chief marketing officer. And maybe, maybe I'm right now I'm trying to get an intern job in marketing, my first job in marketing. And I have this outrageous goal. 15 years from now, I'd like to be the head of marketing of a company that matters. Okay, great. What most people do is the following. They say, well, here I am. Maybe I'm 25 years old. What do I need to do by age 40 to get to my goal? And so in our minds, we're in the present, looking to the future, we see these giant, it's not even a mountain, it's a fucking mountain range. It might as well be farting our way to space and back. And we go, how the fuck am I going to get from here to there? Well, if you listen to all the good bullshit, which is garbage, well, you got to set your goals and you got to build your plan. You got to go step by step and you work your way toward your goal. These are pay attention to languaging, work your way toward your goal. That's the way most people do it. I think that's fucked. Here's the mindset. You want to be a CMO? If you were the CMO of a legendary company right now, what would you do? Do that. And I'll share with you a quick story about this. Before the Williams sisters, the greatest female tennis player of all time was named Martina Navratilova. She's an extraordinary woman who I've admired the vast majority of my life. And when she retired, she went on Larry King Live. And she had this wonderful conversation with Larry. One of the questions Larry asked her was, what did it feel like to win Wimbledon for the first time. And she tells her, oh, it felt great, and this and that and the other. And as she completes the answer around how it felt, she looks Larry in the eye and she says, but you know what? I knew exactly how it was going to feel because I've been winning Wimbledon in my mind since I was four. So the aha here is to do legendary things. We don't situate our mindset in the present looking forward at all of the obstacles. We put our mind, we locate ourselves in the future of our choosing, and we pull the present to that future. And so said simply, if you want to win Wimbledon, act today like a Wimbledon champion. What does a Wimbledon champion do? How much sleep does a Wimbledon champion get? What does a Wimbledon champion eat? How much stretching does a Wimbledon champion do? How much water does a Wimbledon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because the way you win Wimbledon is you start winning it when you're four and then you win it when you're 26 or however old Martina was. And so my point is this, situate yourself in the future, behave like it's already happened and pull the present 
to the future of your choosing. It's a very different mindset. So that's at the high level. Then I'm going to get to a very, ta- very tactical thing, how you actually go do that in your job tomorrow. But before I do that, thoughts, comments, questions, ideas on what I just said? Nope, okay. I'm all ears. So here's the tactical. If you have a job today, if you don't, we can talk about that. But let's say you have a job today. Let's say you're a marketing intern or you're you know, fairly new in marketing. Go to your boss and say, what are the three most strategic value-creating initiatives or projects going on right now in marketing. I would like to be on one of those. And I don't care what you ask me to do. I will be the toilet cleaner on the group that is doing one of the most strategic and important value added growth oriented things in this company. I don't care what it is. I'll get lunch, whatever it is. I'll do whatever it is. I want to be on the team that is working on one of the things that our leadership says is, is the most important for the future of our company. Get on that. And then Every day, ask yourself, if I was legendary, what would I do now? And if you do that, you will be being who you want to become. And the truth is, most of us, it's been true in my entire career, get the job that we've already been being and doing for quite some time. And so go figure out what those three strategic initiatives are and do whatever it takes to get on one of those initiatives, be on that project team. And then once you're there, be fucking legendary, be fucking undeniable. Can I add a little bit to it just from my experience? And I would love it. Yes, (laughs) because I, I feel like what you've given there is just fantastic advice. And I would also say, listen, to what's going on in the room. Listen to those conversations. Listen to the questions that people are asking. Watch and absorb. Don't be so in your own head about being legendary that you are not taking in what is happening around you because you will be able to replicate that. Presumably, these are smart people in the room. They're not smarter than you. They just have more experience than you do. You learn by watching really good people do, and then you add your legendary piece. You absorb it, you digest it, and then without being super gross here, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to talk about the digestive process, but (laughs) really you give birth then to the 2.0. What do you think about that? I think you're absolutely right. I think listening is the most underrated skill in humanity. Never mind in your career. And I was so fucking terrible at it as a young man when I realized that I was an F in listening and that what I considered listening was actually not listening at all. It was called waiting to talk because what most people are doing is waiting to talk. And that's what I was doing. I literally had to teach myself to bite my fucking tongue. And I literally did it like this. Only I didn't keep my mouth open. I would literally go into a meeting and go, shut up, Lockhead. And I didn't bite my tongue. It's up my mouth and go, mm, mm-hmm, mm. And there's a thing that most people don't realize. The more they talk, the more we learn. And most people don't like the silence. So if somebody says something, rather than going, oh, let me tell my story about this fucking thing that I want to tell. No, no, we don't do that. We bite, we literally bite our tongue. Mm, mm, and we look at the other person and go, just try this. Mm. Or the other person will keep talking. Or you can ask, is there anything else? 
you've done some homework. <laughs> it's my favorite question, as you might know. So there's two kind at a high level, there's two kinds of questions. If you, if you go to sales school, you learn this. There's what we call an open probe and a closed probe. I'm not telling you anything you don't know as a journalist. Journalists learn this right away, right? When we ask a closed probe, what did you have for breakfast this morning, Andrea? I don't eat breakfast. I do intermittent fasting. Great. I got a short answer. You told me what happened, right? If I say to you, Andrea, tell me about your podcast. That's an open question. And of course, the obvious is when we ask a closed question, we get a short answer. And when we ask an open question, we tend to get a very big, long answer. And so most of us, myself included, ask too many closed questions. And so one of the remedies to that is there's a natural point where either a conversation feels like it's about to end or a part of a conversation is about to end and we're going to move to a different part of the conversation. In that situation, that's where I love to use the question, is there anything else? Because there always fucking is. Always. And it is often the most important thing. I'll never forget when my grandmother, she'd broken her hip and she was in the hospital. It was a huge crisis and we couldn't get a hold of the fucking surgeon and we didn't know what was going on. And finally I said, enough's enough. And I did what I always do, which is I took matters in my own hands. And I said, listen, I need to talk to my grandmother's fucking surgeon right now or there's going to be a really big problem here. So I talked to Dr. Asshole and my uncle Jim is standing next to me. This guy has the bedside manner of a fucking criminal. So, and, he, and he's like, he's irritated. How dare we ask what they're going to do to our, you know, 80 plus year old loved one. So I'm dragging out of him what's going to happen on the table. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. We get to the end of it. He clearly wants us to fuck off. He's barely looking at us in the eye. He's dismissive. I want to smash him. By the way, I haven't been in a fight since I was 12 outside of a boxing gym. So we do all that. He's trying to get rid of us. The conversation's clearly ended. My uncle Jim is not doing well because the description of what's going to happen to my grandmother is not great. And then I said to him, hey, Dr. Asshole, is there anything else? And he says in his complete asshole way, yeah, there's about a 40% chance she'll die on the table. And it was like somebody punched both my uncle and I in the chest. And had I not asked the question, we wouldn't have understood the level of seriousness that we were dealing with here. And while she did not die on the table, she died a few weeks thereafter. And so my point is, regardless of the situation, I think before completing any kind of a communication with anybody, the most powerful thing we can ask is, is there anything else? Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.